The Gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, beginning in the ninth chapter at the 38th verse. Mark wrote these things. John spoke up. Teacher, we saw a man using your name to expel demons, and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. And Jesus wasn't pleased. Don't stop him. No one can use my name to do something good and powerful and in the next breath cut me down. If he's not an enemy, he's an ally. Why, anyone, by just giving you a cup of water in my name, is on our side. Count on it that God will notice. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple, childlike believers a hard time, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of a lake with a millstone around your neck. And if your hand or your foot gets in God's way, chop it off and throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and alive than the proud owner of two hands and two feet, godless in a furnace of eternal fire. And if your eye distracts you from God, pull it out and throw it away. You're better off one eye and alive than exercising your 20-20 vision from inside the fire of hell. Everyone's going through a refining fire sooner or later, but you'll be well-preserved, protected from the eternal flames. Be preservatives yourselves. Preserve the peace. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O God of the salt, God of the fire, God of anger, God of laughter, God of parables and riddles, God of story and proclamation, God of comfort, God of affliction, God of the salt, God of the fire. Come now, be now, hear now. Amen. Many years ago now, there was a wise rabbi who asked his students, how do we know when the night has ended and day has begun? Well, the students gathered around the fire that night and pondered the question in silence for a bit. And then one of them spoke up and said, well, when I can distinguish my field from the field of my neighbor. And the rabbi smiled, a good answer, but not the one I would give. There was more silence. Another student spoke up. Well, when I look in the distance and I can tell the difference between the sheepdog and the sheep. And the rabbi smiled and shook his head. And then a great discussion broke out among the students. What about when you can tell the difference between the mist and the clouds, between your house and your neighbors? And on and on the students went, and the rabbi's face grew sober. 
And finally he lifted up his hands and cried out, Stop! Do you see what you are doing? You are dividing the world between this and that, between what is yours and what is not yours, between neighbors and strangers. And the students grew silent, and one of them asked with a puzzled expression, Well, tell us, teacher, how do we know when night has ended and day has begun? You are dividing our broken, fragmented world into even more pieces, said the rabbi. When you stop dividing, then you will be able to look into the eyes of another human being. And when you see there a brother or a sister, you will know that day has come. If you cannot see a brother or a sister, it will always be night. You know, the disciples ran into a person that, as far as they knew, had very little connection with Jesus. And he was successful in getting rid of evil spirits, casting them out, wait for it now, in the name of Jesus. He wasn't in their inner circle. He wasn't one of the chosen. He shouldn't be doing that. Earlier in the story, the disciples couldn't do it. So they tried to stop him. And Jesus said, don't stop him. Anybody who does a miracle in my name cannot in the next moment say anything bad about me. He's an ally, not an enemy. So folks, I have to ask you this morning, just where do you get to draw a circle around those who clearly belong to Jesus? Who are members of the one holy church? Apparently the members within the circle are whoever Jesus decides. Certainly though, there are those who don't seem to care a whit about Jesus or anything that he taught. There are those who claim not to believe in anything. Yet I believe that we should be careful because I just have a hunch that wherever it is that we might be comfortable drawing a circle, Jesus just might possibly be outside of that circle with a great number of people who we might well think are not for Jesus at all. We might better not just draw any kind of circle at all. Rather, we must be totally aware of what it is that we are doing. You know, it is possible for us to really harm people who believe in Jesus. Not only outside what we perceive to be the inner circle of God's people, inside, we need to be careful that you and I and the church by its actions does not cause people to lose faith. Jesus suggests that drastic actions are called for. Jesus speaks about amputating many parts of our anatomy if that causes you to sin. He talks about hands and feet and eyes. 
I could have suggested to Jesus that other parts should also have been included in that list. Tongue, brain, maybe parts below the belt. Should we have followed Jesus' words literally? And here's an example of folks who say they take the Bible literally, they're not really doing so, because if they follow these words of Jesus, or these parts maybe, just never cause them problems, but if we really did take these words literally, I would come to church on Sunday morning, not only myself, but I would expect to see nothing but limbless torsos in church with blind eyes. So perhaps today, by, replaying, by relaying the story of Jesus, Mark is really just calling us to repent. To repent of self-righteous attitudes. To repent of putting other Christians down. To repent about drawing the circle just around our kind of people. Repent about not wanting others, really, inside the circle, even with us. Jesus told the disciples to welcome the little child to be hospitable and not to worry so much about power and authority. God does not need defending folks. And order, while it is important, Bishop, don't hear this, it is not the most important. Be charitable and welcome those who may not be welcome elsewhere. Accept the works of justice, even when they are done outside the community of faith, as deeds smiled upon by God. Because you see, truth and love, they go together in a welcoming church. And Jesus said, be preservatives yourselves. Preserve peace. We are called to use salty language, to be ones who are passionate about our faith. And when we are passionate about something, folks, it takes priority in our lives. We invest our energy and our resources because we are determined to make a difference. I think we are living in a time when people aren't so passionate about their faith. We resist learning new things for fear of changing. We're more passionate about merely surviving than we are about taking risks or being creative. We're willing to be disciples as long as it's convenient or it doesn't involve rearranging our personal agendas. Friends, the church we have been up until now will re-morph. It will emerge fresh and new. All around you, this is happening right now. The biggest identifier among our young people now is being spiritual but not religious. We will need to be as open-handed as Jesus was in whom he accepted and celebrated. We will practice an openness to all who do not seek to destroy us. We welcome all people. People of various beliefs, creeds, orientations, colors, cultures, capacities. Bring who you are into this place. 
For the goal of faith, folks, is not winning. The goal of believing is not who can be better than another. Whatever that means for you. You see, long ago, the disciples came to Jesus indignant, alarmed, complaining that there were people casting out demons in his name. And Jesus said, if they are really casting out demons, let them be. This is good work that they are doing. But then Jesus went on to warn those who might do harm, that they were themselves to be sent to the devil. And what harm do you suppose he meant? The harm his overzealous disciples might have done to those nameless demon outcasters? We are urged to fear and not become stumbling blocks in the lives of others. And sorting all of this out is still our task, and it is not easy. The demons, you see, are not so simple to name. And we look at this world around us broken by suffering and hate, simply erect high walls, believing ourselves to be on a holy mission to eliminate sin, to shrink our world so that it is only us and those like us in it. Yet history informs us that if we proceed this way, we will only add more suffering and brokenness to the world. The other choice is that we can simply respond with generosity and grace to all, to try and give life to others, and maybe in the process, to give life to ourselves too.